0: Hey guys, Star here. Today we'll be continuing reading *Keeper of the Doves*. Today we'll be covering chapters four, five, and six: *A Daisy and Other Invisible Flowers*, *E Flat*, and *Fee Fi Fo Fum*. Hope you guys enjoy. *A Daisy and Other Invisible Flowers*. Daisy, dandelion. Daffodil. My sister Augustus knew more words than anyone in the world. I loved to walk in the garden with her. It was like taking a walk with a dictionary. Scout led the way. He paused and looked back occasionally to make sure we were following. Augustus always start with Aster and Buttercup. And as she moved through the garden and the alphabet, she bent gracefully and picked up imaginary flowers elderberry, fuchsia, gardenia. She added these to her bouquet. It was a winter's day. The branches above us were bare. The only flowers were the invisible ones in my sister's arms. We proceeded through the empty, colorless yard, and my sister going through the alphabet of flowers, gathering them one by one. Rubenia... Westeria, the rare Xanthenia Here she paused to give me a wink of conspiracy. Augustus was my serious sister, so even this sort of mild joke was rare. She ended with yellow jasmine, Xenia. Thus we came to the family cemetery. This was the end of the walk. I was always surprised at how sad this made me, even though I had known it was our destination. Open the gate for me, Amy. She nodded at her flower-laden arms, and I reached out for the latch. The gate was black metal, an intricate design with angels holding out harps to one another. Just inside the gate was an ornate metal bench. Augusta had told me on an earlier occasion that Aunt Pauline always sat there before leaving the cemetery, so that if a ghost had followed her, it would tire of waiting and return to its place. My sister and I moved through the angels with their harps, past the bench to the graves. Scout stayed behind with his tail drooping. Most of the tombstones were old. Some of the names were too weathered to read. But we moved... To a newer one, where a tiny lamb looked down in sorrow at what lay beneath. The inscription read, Anita McBee, the Lamb of God. Born December 25th, 1887. Departed from this world January 3rd, 1888. I always counted it on my fingers. Ten days. Yes. My sister sighed. Do you remember Anita? I'll never forget her. I got to hold her. She was the tiniest thing. I wish I had held her. You weren't born yet. I know, but still. She was perfect. Tiniest fingers, fingernails. Your fingers curled around mine. I stroked the crown of her head, the softest hair. It was like corn silk. And she never cried, not one single time. Augusta sighed. <sighs> Everything was perfect except her heart. The doctors listened to it and said she would only live a day or two. She surprised everyone by living for ten. Ten days. It seemed the saddest length of time. No time at all, really. Not enough to learn a single word. You know that song that Abigail and I sing? Juanita? She sang the chorus. Nita, Juanita, ask thy soul if we should part. Nita, Juanita, lean thou on my heart. I remember, I said. Well, when I sing it, in my mind, I'm singing, Nita, Anita, lean thou on my heart. It brings tears to my eyes. I knew that f- now, now on, it would bring tears to mine. We stood in silence for a moment, and then Augustus opened her arms, and her bouquet of invisible flowers rained down on our sister's tiny grave. Sound broke into our sorrow. A dove cooed. In the distance, the noon train blew its mournful whistle. Scout growled at the gate. The only other time I heard him growl was when Mr. Tominsky was near. I looked around quickly, but saw nothing. Augustus and I passed the bench without resting and joined the dog at the gate. The three of us walked in silence to the house. E flat. E, E, E. The twins were imitating Abigail and her singing teacher, Miss Prentice. Miss Prentice would occasionally tug the top of Abigail's hair and say E, E, E in order to get Abigail's voice up to the right note. Abigail did not have what pop called an ear for music. The bellows were using scouts as the reluctant singing pupil and tugged at the top of his head. E e e. From the doorway, Augustus said, "It's not nice to make fun of Abigail singing. Anyways, quit tormenting the dog. He likes it, don't you, Scout? E e e." It was a rainy afternoon. Mama, Aunt Pauline, and Abigail had gone into town. Papa owned several businesses, McBee Bank, McBee Feed and Seed, McBee Dry Goods was their destination today, to buy material and trimming for a dress for Abigail. They were off to the seamstress, so they would be gone a long time. The Bellas and I were left at home, and we were hard up for something to do. Augustus got tired of watching the dogs singing lessons. She said, I'm going to play the piano. Do you want to come and listen? We'd rather teach Scout to sing, wouldn't we? E e e. Amy, do you want to come? I'll play whatever you like. Later, I had reason to wish I'd gone. The attraction of the twins was strong. I shook my head. Augustus went into the parlor and began to play the piano in a lively way, perhaps hoping to entice me into the room. One of the Bellas said, "'I know what we can play!' Glancing at the doorway, she lowered her voice. "'But we have to go upstairs so no one can hear us!' The other Bella, reading her twin's mind, jumped up at once. I, not having that ability, was baffled. "'What is the game?' And we... that we don't want anyone to hear. I asked. The fact that it was something we didn't want anyone to hear should have warned me. Come on, you'll find out. The twins moved into the hallways, and I followed. Augustus stopped playing. Where are you going? She called. Nowhere, the Bellis called back. What are you going to do? Nothing. "'You're wearing that Aunt Pauline would call your up-to-no-good faces,' Augustus sang out from the piano bench. "'The three of us hurried upstairs to nowhere to do nothing.'" Fee-fi-fo-fum. Fee-fi-fo-fum. The game was beginning. One of the Bellas and I sat at the table where we had our lessons. The other Bella had disappeared into the hallway. "'When is the game going to start?' I had whispered again and again. "'How will we know when the game starts?' The Bella beside me had been twitching with excitement. "'When the game starts, you'll know it.' Now apparently it had. "'Fee-fi-fo-fum,' it came again. And this time the door was flung open. "'I am Old Man Timinski, and here I come!' Be ye black, be ye blue, you'll be both before I'm through. The Bella stomped into the room. She smiled, and her grin was terrifying. She had blacked out her front teeth with black paper, and the effect was so startling for a moment I could not move. Beside me, the Bella screamed and ran for the closet. Now with heavy stomping feet, were heading for me. With outstretched arms, grasping for me. Run! Bella cried from the closet door. I jumped up so fast the chair fell to the floor. I ran, and Bella closed the door behind us. The footsteps came closer and closer. In the closet, we trembled. The footsteps stopped at the closet door. There was a silence, and then the door was flung open and the toothless Bella fell upon us with a roar. I was genuinely afraid, but the Bellas laughed with success. Let's do it again, the closest Bella said. Only this time I get to be Mr. Teminsky, all right? And you and Amy have to run for me. Only this time, Amy, run. You're supposed to run. I will, I said. Give me the teeth. Bella disappeared into the hallway with her black paper, and the other Bella and I took our places at the table. We were pretending to read when we heard from the hallway. Fee-fi-fo-fum, I'm old man Tominsky, and here I come. Be black, be. She didn't get the second color out before a hand fell upon her shoulder. Papa stood in the doorway behind her. For the first time I saw the resemblance between Papa and Aunt Pauline. Because as his frown grew, so did he his nose. What is going on here? We're just playing, the Bella said, trying unsuccessfully to shrug off his hand. What's that on your teeth? This? Oh, paper. I don't know how it got there. What were you doing? Playing a game. I don't care for the game. Silence. There's nothing funny or playful about making fun of a person. It was just old man, I mean, Mr. Tminsky, the bella beside me said. Mr. Tminsky has been a member of this family longer than you have. I was startled. I had never before thought of Mr. Tminsky as a member of the family, but I said nothing. Not only has he been a member of this family, but he has saved my life. Now I could not keep quiet. How, Papa? I asked. I thought you knew the story. No, Papa. But you two did. The Bellas didn't answer. Although the black paper had been removed from their teeth, it had left their front teeth gray. He released the nearest Bella's shoulder. Sit down, girls, he said. We sat at our table, as we did for lessons, and Papa stood in our tutor, Mr. Trudia's, place. I was hunting by myself, Papa began. My father told me never to do that, but I had disobeyed. When I was climbing the Wilson's fence, my gun went off and shot me in the shoulder. Mr. Tom was at the train tracks. He heard the gunshot, heard my yell, and found me. He picked me up and carried me in his arms, three miles home. If Mr. Tom had not done that, I would have died. He looked at us one by one. You would have never been born. Another look. All of us owe our lives to Mr. Tominsky. I really didn't know that, Papa, I had said. He laid me on the porch, beat on the door, hid until he saw the door open and then ran. Later, my father discovered he had taken refuge in the old chapel. That's why we don't go back there, one of the Bellas told me, so we don't disturb him. Papa nodded. The only thing my father ever asked of me was to look after Mr. Tom. I promised him on his deathbed that I would do that, and I intend to keep my promise. That's why I look in on him every day, Why I make sure he's fed and clothed. Papa's voice softened slightly as he said, I am sure you and your twins will find another game, one that doesn't make fun of people I value. We will, Papa. Papa gave us one final look, turned and left the room. The three of us sat, if rooted in place. Finally, one of the Bellas said, I still don't like him. He's not... She searched for the right word, couldn't find it and borrowed a phrase of Aunt Pauline's. He's not all there.